tonight. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him and to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he was, had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when he, in the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the winds were contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them, walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. I love this, that Jesus knew what they were thinking, and watch how he responds. And, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And the part of the story I want to look at, especially today, is the next part of the story, and it's a man by the name of Peter. It says, But Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when the Peter was come down out of, the water, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth out his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. When they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. This morning for homecoming, I'm going to speak a message called A Difference. You know, in our lives, we need to make a difference. Yesterday, I guess you'd say I had the privilege of going up to Michigan and uh, flew up on Friday, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. On Saturday, my oldest sister, about a week ago, passed away, unexpectedly. She was talking to her husband in a chair and she was just talking to him and then just quit talking. He took her to the hospital and she was, I think, pronounced dead at that point. But they kept her alive for about a week. Didn't have no brain, they have no brain um, functions and when they took her off the breathing machine, she died a day later. She's 71 years old. Yes, I am the baby of the family and I like that. Amen. Um, I was my mother's favorite and I still am probably. And, and I don't know if I'm my dad's favorite, but I'm definitely my mother's favorite. So... And I tell my brother that and he doesn't agree with me. But, you know, going to a funeral, you realize real quick, you better make a difference in your life. When he tells the story of just talking with her and then all of a sudden she stops talking, he did everything. And I remember one statement he said, he said, I did everything they told me to do. I called 911, they came, they said, you did everything, and he was doubting it. And actually the EMTs came back later and said, Ed, you did everything you possibly could do for her. It was just her time. You know, and when you're reflecting on a funeral, you hear, that. I think I was telling Denver this, it's kind of scary when a preacher gets up and says, I'm going to hand the mic to anybody, and if they have a story to tell, they can. How many of you have been at a funeral like that? You don't know what you're going to hear. Especially if you knew my sister. So they tell these stories, and I was reflecting on the stories they were telling her, telling about her, and I thought, you know, I want, I want to make a difference in, my, in people's lives. I want to make a difference for Christ. Christ has a job for us, and we're going to look at these things. If you've been at our church for a while, and there's a lot of visitors in here this morning being homecoming, but there's been two preachers that have came in, and they spoke on this same message. But they did not talk about Peter walking on the water. And so I want to just go over real quick, and we're going to go through these real quick, and I know some people count how many we do. So we're going to have six aspects of Bible principles that we can get from this story. Basic Bible principles, then we're going to get into the, get into the matter of what I want to look at. 
making a difference. You know, we see this picture of Jesus walking on the water, and of course it's not really Him, but um, here's a man walking on the water. You think, man, that's amazing. Have you ever tried it? Would your friends think you were crazy if you did it? Yeah, they would. But some basic Bible principles in the first part of the story, number one, God has a job for us to do. This is a basic principle. Everybody was created for a purpose, and God has a job for us to do. Where do you find that at? Go to verse number 22. It says this. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. The job that day for the disciples was to get in that ship. Now, let's set up some precursors for this. We do realize that Jesus knew what was going to happen, right, before it happened. So he knew he was sending them into a storm. Don't get confused about that. Jesus knew what they were going to get. But God has a job for us to do it. And it doesn't say it's going to be an easy job. Number two is this. The second principle is this. God is a multitasker. Amen? While he's doing this, in verse number 22, it says, while he sent. Go to verse number 22. God constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him and to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. He sends the disciples one direction, he sends the multitude a different direction. He's got two jobs for them and he needs those guys, the, the multitude to get away because he has some other areas he needs to do. The third basic principle is this. Prayer is important. You, I did not know what she was going to sing this morning. A secret place. That's exactly what Jesus does in this. Go to this next verse. It says in this, it says in verse number 23, He went up. He sends them away. He knows what they're going to go through, but it says, And when He had sent the multitude away, He went up into the mountain apart to pray. Prayer is important. It's probably one of the least things we do, but we know it's important. Amen? If we were to take a poll in here and, and ask how long you pray a day, I wonder how long it would be. But if Jesus did it, do you not think it's important? Let's make it one step closer. There's a, the, the fourth principle is this. Personal prayer is important. Don't rely on other people's prayers. If God himself went apart to pray, look at what the verse says. As you keep reading it, it says, um, He went up into the mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, He was there alone. Now here's the Creator talking to His Father. He was God, He knew what was going to happen, but He just needed that time with His Heavenly Father. He also needed for some things to happen to get His disciples' attention. But personal prayer is important. I catch myself, and I don't know if you're like me, I catch myself when I pray for the food, it's the same prayer. Right? I know people that when I call on them to pray, somewhere in the prayer, it's a relative of mine, they'll say something about missionaries. I don't care what kind of prayer it is. If I said pray over this car, somewhere in, 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 this, in about praying over this car, it's going to be something about the missionaries. I know some people that pray about the same thing over and over again. How do you think God thinks when we pray the same thing over and over again? Okay, try this. Think of who your best friend is. Go up and say the same thing to him for the next 20 days. See what they say. It's predictable, isn't it? But Jesus, I guarantee you, he's up there and he is just sharing his heart with his father. And he's wanting these disciples to see who they really are. And I wonder in this prayer if he's saying, Lord, make these disciples understand who I am. 
and why I came and why they followed me. And so we've got to understand the fourth one is personal prayer is important. Not only personal prayer, what about this one? God is in control. How many of you believe that? Sometimes God tests you, doesn't he? Give you two quick stories on the trip up to Detroit. If you've ever been to Detroit, you don't want to be in the in airport very long by yourself. It's not a good location. It's kind of scary. Not that I was scared, but it's kind of scary. We get up there and, and I have a three and a half hour delay before I get on a plane. And the one guy makes a mistake to tell somebody that doesn't like to fly he made a mistake. You know what he told me? He said, it's got something to do with maintenance on the airplane. What? <laughs> I'll drive home, amen? Get into the airport, and, and it puts us in a delay, and I was supposed to get there at 9. I didn't get there until 1 o'clock in the morning. And then, of course, I, I, I'm not going to say which, which brand I use. I had a, a car rental I was supposed to get. It was closed. You get on the phone, and it says, if we're closed, call our other sister company. They'll be open. They didn't get the memo. There was nobody in the, in, the, in the area down at the bottom except all of the people that were on my plane and two other planes that were late. Couldn't find someone to talk to. I had to call my brother and my sister and they had to come pick me up at 1 o'clock in the morning. We finally got in about 1.30, 1.45. Then we get back on this plane and I'm getting home and, they, and I'm on the last flight from Charlotte to, back to Tri-City. And the, the, airplane, the, the pilot gets on and says, we're going to be delayed. We were in that plane for 45 minutes before we even moved. I'd shut my eyes, and I, and I pray a lot on a plane. And, and what's funny is when you shut your eyes and you pray, you start hearing every sound the outside that airplane's making. Lord, what was that? What was that? What's going on with that? Now that sounds different. Are we going up or are we going down? Why is that lady over there praying out loud? You know, you just you sit there and you, your mind wanders. I finally got in, and and then to make matters worse, two days before I went on this trip, I was out weed eating. Does everybody know what weed eating is? If you're from the north, you don't understand that because I was sharing this with somebody yesterday. A lot of people probably thought I was really emotional about my sister because I was weed eating the day before in a rock. I, this is the only time I've never used glasses. And please don't come up to me afterward and say, you always need to wear the glasses. I know that. But I was only going to weed eat a little section. I weed eat a little section. And sure enough, a rock flew up. And someone this morning said, well, why didn't you shut your eyes? I didn't have time to. And so my eye has been watering the whole time. I don't know if you've ever been in a funeral where you see a guy. I was, they thought I was emotionally a wreck with this whole thing. It was because my eye was watering. And so all these things happen. But can I say this to you? God is still in control. No matter what you're going through, God is in control. Look at these words. Verse, in verse number 24, it says this. It says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. Well, the wind was contrary. Did Jesus know this was going to happen? Yes. He was still in control. The, fifth, the sixth one is this. God works on his timetable. Oh, I hate that one. It's a biblical principle, but I hate it. Because you know what we want as Baptists or, or whatever you are, you want God to answer your questions and you want Him to answer it now. Actually, I want God to answer my questions. I wanted Him to answer yesterday. If impatience was a virtue, I'd be very virtuous. But man, I, I like knowing what's going on. 
But God's works, God works on his timetable. Look at verse number 25. It says in verse number 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. He was the one that was in control. Now let's look at two responses. Christ's response to this whole story. They're sitting there. They're scared. They don't know what it is. They think it's a spirit. What's, what was Christ's response? Be of good cheer. Is that the last thing you want to hear when you're in a storm? Waves are going over and you hear someone say, be of good cheer. Uh-uh, that's not what I want to hear. And then he says this. He doesn't even say his name. He says, it is I. Then he does the obvious be not afraid. Oh, I'm far from afraid already. You, you, you're a little bit late on that one. And these guys, as this storm is coming up, and you've got to remember, if you've been here and you've heard Cody Sturgill, I think, preach on this, and somebody else, I think, Brother Lockhart did, these guys were avid fishermen. They knew, most of these guys knew what a storm was. And he walks along the sea and he says, Be of good cheer, be not afraid. Here's Jesus walking on the water and saying that. How many other people would you see on the water walking around? You wouldn't see that. Now let me ask you the obvious question. Who, out of all the disciples, do you think is the most boisterous one, most outspoken one? Who would it be? Everybody say it together. Who would it be? Peter. I love Peter's personality. Now they don't write this in the book. But I've always been playing, playing this thing over and over in my mind. Peter's probably the one that's the most vocal about what they're going through. What is going on with this storm? This storm's terrible. Why would Jesus do this? Why would, he does all, I, I can guarantee you he's saying things to these people because he doesn't keep his mouth quiet. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And somewhere in Peter's mind, I think he flipped over to the other side and said, oh, wow, what an opportunity. Walking on that water. And then you have um, Peter's response. Get in your Bible and find out what Peter's response was. I'll wait and let you look it up. I'll, well, I'll give you the verse. It is in verse number 28. Watch his response. Every word means something in the Bible. Watch this. The first two words that Peter spoke are very important. You see what they are? What are the first? Now look at them. What's the first two words he says in verse number 20? What's the first one? What's the second one? Watch. His first two words, the first Lord shows Christ's position to Peter. He says this, the Spirit, so they think, who it is, and he says, it is I, and then he looks at him, he says, Lord, and he shows Christ's position to Peter. Peter, to, when he looked at Jesus, saw the Lord. The second word does this, shows Peter's position to Christ. If he truly said it was him, why would he say the word if? Because Peter was the one that doubted everything. He's the one that denied him three times. All these things. So, Lord, Christ's position to Peter, if Peter's position to Christ. And so when we look at that, we've got to understand what he's saying here. He says in this verse, he says, If it be thou, bid me come unto the water. If it's you, Lord, make me come on the water. 
Now, let's look at this, what we're, what we're looking at here, a difference. You know what a difference is? The definitions, um, were, there's some words you go, difference. How do you define that? Well, here's the definition from the, from the dictionary. It says, a point or way in which people or things are not the same. It is easy to be like everybody else. How many of you like to watch people? Anybody a people watcher in here? I love to watch people. All right, I want to see. Anybody a people watcher over here? Okay. It's funny, both of the police officers raise their hand, they're people watchers. That's just, that's by habit, amen? But I like to watch people. You know there's not very many happy people in the, in the airport? I don't know if they're thinking just like me because I don't like to fly. But they're not. If you want to be different than everybody, just walk down, the, walk down the, the airport corridor and start smiling. You don't make eye contact with people, especially when you're up north. Amen? I'm from the north. I can say what I want about the north, but you don't make eye contact with them because they will, they will think you're going to rob them. One guy made eye contact with me. You know what I did? Instantly, I put my wallet from my back pocket to my front pocket. They're not going to take my wallet. I don't care if he's four years old. He's not taking my wallet. I mean, I was watching people. People are not happy. They're not. You smile and you're different. But you know, when I was thinking about this, this is what I was thinking. And three questions to me. I'm going to forget for a second that you're out there. These are questions that I, wanna, I wanted to ask myself, especially after being at that funeral. A difference. Am I making a difference? The first question with this, a difference, is this. Have I made a difference yet? When I first got into ministry, I've been in ministry since 1992. I told my wife when we got into ministry, I want to make just a difference with one person. I remember saying that. I just want to make a difference with one person. I never had a youth pastor. I wanted to help somebody out. But you know, that's in the past, so but can, can I, as, as, I say, as I say this to myself, have I made a difference yet? I, that's, that's between me and God. That's between you and God. The second question is this. Am I making a difference now, currently? You know, when you're at a funeral, they can't make a difference anymore. It's only what they've done in the past. So are you making a difference now? You say, well, I'm going to wait till I'm such and such age. The age you need to serve God is right now. You can't change your past. If, some, if, if, someone's, if you have people talking to you or you have, uh, your, your brain is saying, listen, you can't make a difference because of what you did in the past. You know who's telling you that? Satan's saying that. Amen. Who wrote most of the books in the, in the New Testament? Apostle Paul. You want to talk about a bad background? When he got converted, no one would want to go over and say, okay, I want to be with him. In his resume, he said that it would say that he was there when Stephen was killed, the first martyr in the New Testament. He was the one in charge. What a great resume. And if he, you want to talk about being beat up, I can see Peter, I mean, Paul going, I can't do this, I can't do this. But you know what? He never looked at it like that. He didn't let Satan get a hold of him. He understood who he was. Second question, am I making a difference now? Of course, you know what the third question is. What's the third question? Will I make a difference later? You know what I, I find, especially in Baptist churches? People that, that used to Baptist. You ever been there? I used to teach Sunday school. 
I used to do this. I used to do that. Try that with your food intake. I used to eat, but I'm not eating anymore. How's that going to work for you? I was thinking about people when we, when we were over there. I, I was thinking about Kathy when I, was, when I was walking through the thing. First of all, I saw the biscuits. Kathy loves biscuits. And then I walked by those trays that will break my diet today. They're called Buckeyes. How many of you know what the Buckeyes are? Those peanut butter. We're going to pray and let's just go. Uh, anyway, um, peanut butter with chocolate. How many of you like those? I graze on those. While you guys are eating, I'll be over there eating one as I go by. Last time we had a, a meal here, I, I was grazing. That's what I call it. It's not because I'm a cow. It's just the word I use, okay? But I, I was grazing on the deviled eggs. I don't know how many deviled eggs I ate that day. Because if you're a Baptist, you usually don't get deviled eggs when you're the last of the line, amen? Because all the Baptists are eating them up as they go. I, I don't know how many. I estimate probably 12 whole eggs, you know, so there's 24. I was just eating them as I was going. I, I don't know. Mrs. Cowden was probably counting as I was eating them. But I, I just, I like deviled eggs. And I tried every different kind. I, I'll probably go out there and test them again tonight, today. You know, we've got some things that we've got to realize. Will I make a difference later? Because what you're doing today will make a difference later. Sitting and hearing what was said at the funeral. To me, it was very superficial. I love my sister. But I don't know much about her. She chose it that way. 71 years old, took her last breath, and she's in eternity. And I kept saying to myself, am I going to make a difference? I sure hope I am. But i got to get on the ball, and so do you. The Bible says this. When, when Jesus, when he tells him what to do, he says the word come. Now, come means step out in the water. Walking on the water would be like, if I could just, if, if you could, I don't know if you've ever seen any shows where they have invisible things, it'd be like me staying on top here and never stepping on these steps. I know through gravity I'm going to go down. But if I could, if I could walk all the way out there and go to that pew, that'd be really neat to do, wouldn't it? Be impossible. Well, impossible is walking on water. But Peter did it. But you know what we want? We want to do what Jesus wants only if we can set the, set the course. I'll serve God if, I'll make a difference if there are no storms. What made this a more miraculous situation was there was a storm. And if there's no problems, have you ever met somebody, I don't want, I don't want to do something because there'll be problems. There's problems everywhere in your life. What do you do with your job normally? Fix problems. If you're a mechanic, do you want cars to break down? Absolutely you do. I hate to say it. I have, my, my, my nephew is there and he's a mechanic guy. And I said, how's it? How, he's not a mechanic, he's a body man. He works on the bodies of cars and repaints them and all that. And I said, how's your, how's your work going? He goes, it's kind of slow right now. And I said, well, what's going to make it quick? What's going to make it better? You know what he said? I've never heard anybody say this. He says, oh, deer season's coming in. I was like, what deer season? Oh, yeah, they run out in front of cars and they do a lot of damage. And you could see him smiling about it. It's funny how people look at different things different ways, isn't it? Some storm to you might be a blessing to somebody else. 
But Jesus is in the storm. He says, come, and Peter takes off walking. You know what I like about this? Everything is not how we planned it. He starts walking. Let's, let's read and see what it says. We're almost done. Go to this, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, in verse number 28, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come, come down out of, the, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But then in verse number 30, he gets out there. This is kind of neat. There is no other disciple in all the disciples that are in the Bible that can put this on their resume. I've walked on water. Now see, I've walked on water before. It's called ice. A lot of people have walked on water. But no one's walked on water through this storm. Everything is not as always how we planned it. He gets out there and he does the bad thing of looking around. There's times when I know I'm right in the center of God's will, and you know what Satan tries to get me to do? Look around. Look around. And so when you start looking around, guess what? You realize that, hey, not everybody's going through the same thing you're doing. You should be worried. Hmm. But you know when you've realized that everything is not always how we planned it? Jesus is never far away. Now, I don't know how you picture this, but I've been thinking about this and reading this story and reading this story. I almost picture when Jesus is on, the boat's rocking, let's say the boat's up here, I almost picture Jesus being way out there. I don't know if He was. He might have been just right here. He could have been just right here. But I want to say this, He wasn't too far to help Peter. Peter starts walking, and I don't know how far he walked. I don't know if he walked a half mile. I don't know if he walked 100 feet. I think he might have taken a few steps. Because you know what I would have done? I'd have taken a few steps. I'd have been looking around. And then all of a sudden he starts going down because he sees the storm. And what does it say? Jesus was not too far from him because Jesus reached out and helped him. Jesus knew Peter's limitations. Peter didn't realize that Jesus had no limitations. Right? So he reaches down and picks him up. And look what it says. Here's the only disciple that walks on the water and Jesus uses it as a teaching moment. And he says to him, when we saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And I want to add this little thing. Peter knew what to say. He knew who could help him. He didn't go back to the disciples and say, hey, get me back in the boat. He goes to Jesus and says, Lord, help me. But look what Jesus says to him. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And I can almost see this as he's sinking. He just picks him up and pulls him up. And now Peter is back up on the water. He found strength and he found where his source was. It was not in him. It was not in his situation. It was in his Savior. So wherever you are in life, God knows where you're at. And he's not too far away from you.
He's there to help you and He listens to you. So are we going to make a difference? I think Peter did at this point. I think Peter made a difference. I think he made a difference at the, before this all happened. I think he made a difference while he was going through it and it would make a difference later on. There's no doubt in my mind Peter would say, I remember when, dot, 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 I walked on the water. But you know what I think he'd remember more? I remember when I was sinking and Jesus helped me out of it. I'm going to ask you this a simple question. And we're done. Which they do you want to be? Let's go back to our questions. Have I made a difference yet? Am I making a difference now? Will I make a difference in the future? Which they do you want to be? I've come to the conclusion, you know, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of work to be a good Christian. I let the Lord down a lot of times. I understand when Paul says he's the chiefest among sinners. But you know what I want to be? I want to be a certain they. You know what I like about this story? When did the storm stop? It didn't stop when he brought Peter out of the water. It stopped when they got in the boat. Well, let's just quick review real quick. Just listen to these really quick. What have these disciples seen? If you take all the disciples, uh, you take Matthew chapter 14 and back, here's what they've seen that Jesus has done. He's cleansed the leopard. He's healed the centurion's servant. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's healed the sick um, one day. He's, he stilled the storm. He saw a devil. They saw the devils entering the herd of swine. They healed the paralytic. He um, raised the ruler's daughter that was dead. He had healed the hemorrhaging woman. He'd healed two blind men, cured a devil-possessed person twice. He'd healed a man's withered hand. And right before this happened, what has he done? The feeding of 5,000. I don't know how many, evangelistically speaking, I think we have about 6,000 here this morning. As a preacher, that's what preachers say. But let's say you just go in there and, and all of a sudden, let's see, let me pick somebody that I know likes to eat. Randy, you've, you've changed your lifestyle. So we're going to go with Alan. Alan likes to eat and, and he's about the fifth person back and Alan goes in there and all we have is a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And he starts thinking, he's figuring out all the people, he's in the back of the line, he's thinking, there is not going to be enough when I get up there. That's why I eat the deviled eggs, Okay. And here's Alan thinking this whole thing. There's not going to be enough stew, not going to be enough potatoes. There's not going to be fish and there's not going to be bread. But all of a sudden he sees everybody getting in there going. They're sitting down. They've got their fish and their bread. And then all of a sudden he's the 4,999th person. He reaches in there and he gets some bread and he gets some fish. How do you think that would make you feel? It'd be amazing. And then these disciples are feeding everybody, and then when we get done, there's a bunch left over. There's fragments, 12 basketfuls. Do not think that Peter thought, wow, this is amazing. Do not think that John is on the boat saying, this is amazing. Which they do you want to be? Do you want to make a difference? This world needs a difference. 
We live in a world where everybody's the same and we can't figure out why they don't want to be like us. Which day do you want to be? Everybody figured out what I'm talking about? Go to the next verse. Verse number 31 says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? Now go to verse number 32. And when they, who's this? Who's verse number 32? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Who's the they? Jesus and who? Peter. There's the one day. That's the day I want. Peter had his faults, but bless God, he walked on the water. And he got to have Jesus get him out of his situation. You know who the other they is? Go to verse number 33. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. It's interesting. They don't, he doesn't even say the disciples anymore. On three occasions, he refers to them as the disciples in this story. But in verse number 33, Matthew calls them they. They. You know which they I want to be? I don't want to be 33. I don't want to sit there and go see what everybody else is doing and not have God bless me. I don't want to, be, I don't want to, I don't want to see someone else go in a storm and be brought up out of it and be different for it. I want to be that person that God is willing to put through a storm to make me stronger. I want the they of verse number 32, not the they of 33. Because if you're the they of 32, you're not as close to what you should be. I want to make a difference. And with that said, I want to say, you know, I'm not the pastor I need to be. You're not the Christian you need to be. I'm not the Christian I need, I need to be. But I want God to show me so that I can be a difference to other people. I don't want just an average church. There's enough of those out there. There's enough of average choirs. There's enough of average soloists. There's enough of average piano players. There's enough of average people coming to church. I want to be the they that gets out in the water. And when you get out in the water, you just don't know what's going to happen. But as long as you know this, that Jesus is close enough to you, you're going to be okay. Amen. I don't know what you're going through. Ed never dreamed that he would sit across from my sister Ellen and talk to her. They went grocery shopping that day. They went to, they, she said she wasn't feeling well. She laid down. She got up. They started talking. Started talking about what they were going to do tomorrow. She stopped mid-sentence fell, and, and just fell over. I don't know how much time I have in my life, but I know God has a job for me. And I know I'm not all alone. So when those storms come, Jesus has the power to cease them. But he's going to cease them on his time. But I want to be able to say, I walked on the water. I want to be the one that's the day where him and Jesus, and Peter and Jesus walk back in the boat, and it says they walk back in the boat, and when they walk back in the boat, he steps on that boat. Can you imagine what the other disciples thought? Because all of a sudden, this goes rocky, rocky. You say, well, it wasn't that amazing. Then you didn't read that last verse. Because remember all the, all the miracles that I said that they went through? That last, last verse says this. Then they that were in the ship, the disciples, came and worshipped him, saying, now watch this, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. They saw the rescue of Peter. They saw the calm of the storm. 
And in their mind, they said that God sent us out here so we could see this storm up close and personal to make us who we need to be. Christian life is not easy. Whoever told you that, they didn't tell you the truth. Christian life is always hard. But I'll say this, it is worth it, Marianne. When my funeral takes place and I'm in a casket, I would think, I would pray that I'd made a difference. And I hope that's your prayer also.